body aches at bedtime? Sierra Sil is a natural mineral supplement that supports joint health, calms inflammation, and we're so sure it'll work for you as it has for me and my husband for over 10 years. It has a money-back guarantee. Go to sierrasil.com, S-I-E-R-R-A-S-I-L, and use the code DRIFT for 10% off. Hello, I'm Erin, and welcome to DRIFT. Made possible by Envy Pillow. Created by two registered nurses in Canada, Envy Pillow has a unique ergonomic design to reduce wrinkles, help with TMJ pain, and align your neck and spine. Learn more in the morning at Envy, E-N-V-Y, pillow.com. Tonight, I'm going to share with you a twist on a favorite fairy tale. Goldilocks and the Three Bears. In this updated rendition, you'll meet a kind girl who stumbles upon the most unlikely household and, well, (laughs) no spoilers. First, though, I want you to take a moment to experience where you are. Now gather up your covers, or maybe kick them off, (laughs) and move your pillow so that it's not too hard not too soft, just right. Let your eyes gently close. Relax your shoulders. Feel the weight of your arms and legs, your hips and your back. Just sink into your mattress. You are safe. You are loved. And you are going to enjoy a good night's rest as we drift into our sleep story. If you're ready, we shall go. Once upon a time, there was a land so green, so filled with trees and flowers, that all who lived there thought it was paradise. And do you know what? They were probably right. There were forests and fruit trees, farmlands, streams, and mountains. It was a place so colorful and verdant, so fragrant and peaceful, that it was the stuff that dreams and fairy tales are made of. In a place so wonderful as you would hope, everyone was content. They had everything they needed. There was always enough to eat. People cared not just for their own families, but for each other. If a neighbor needed help, everyone gathered to do what they could. If the chickens weren't laying, people stopped by with eggs wrapped in cloth. No one went without, and everyone had warm and cozy homes. And you could easily figure out how many children a family had by simply counting the number of diapers, overalls, shirts, and sheets blowing in the breeze on a clothesline on any day at all. Just as each family was different, each home was unique in its way as well. The houses were painted in almost every color you could imagine. Some were darker, woody shades like brown and forest green while others borrowed from the tones found in blossoms and rainbows. At every front door was laid a mat that bid a visitor welcome, and anyone who came through the door 
was made to feel exactly that, welcome. You could always count on being offered a piece of fresh, spongy apple cake or flaky cherry strudel, a cup of rich coffee, or a glass of freshly squeezed fruit juice. While the people of this lovely place were not rich, what they had they lovingly shared. Some homes appeared to be small and modest, while others had additions that had been built as the family expanded. Everyone had a shelter for firewood, a well for water, and a yard full of chickens. And atop each home was a small but sturdy weather vane. Here a bird or a goose, there a horse or an arrow. They would turn reliably in the gentle breeze, sometimes glinting in the sun, but always pointing out the direction of the wind to whomever cared to notice. A rooster vane turned slowly atop the house, painted a cheery blue that matched the summer sky. And in that small abode, right next to a slightly larger blue barn, lived a family called the Myers. For the name Meyer, you see, means farmer in this land. And that is what the Myers were. The Myers, Gertrude and Herman, had five children in quick succession, first a daughter, then three sons, and finally another daughter. Mrs. Meyer said that was enough children to help them run their farm, and Mr. Meyer had agreed. They were a large but very happy family, and everything ran as smoothly as the cuckoo clock that ticked happily on the tongue-in-groove wall. Their first child, the elder of Gertrude and Herman's two daughters, was called Clara, a name so chosen for one who is distinguished, clear, and bright. When she was born, Clara was indeed bright, even in appearance. She had a shock of hair so snowy that she looked as though her tiny head had been dipped in her mother's baking flour. But in time, her hair turned to blonde. No, not just blonde, but a shade of color like no one had ever seen before. As she grew, Clara wore her curls in two braids, except at night. Once her siblings had been bathed, told a story, given a cup of warm milk, and tucked into their cribs or beds, Clara's mother would sit her daughter on the floor between her knees and brush that hair until it shone even in the dimmest lamplight. Ten, twenty, forty, eighty, one hundred. Her mother's precious pearl-backed brush of hog's hair, a wedding gift from Herman for her own chestnut hair, would stroke those beautiful long locks. When they were done, Clara would tuck up her luminescent hair into a loosely tied bonnet and pad off to her own bed, kissing her dear mother before she was tucked in under the quilt, which was adorned with rabbits and foxes playing together amid large pines. As for Clara's father, lulled by his wife's humming while she brushed, Herman was usually sound asleep himself, his feet toasty by a small fire in the hearth. He snored softly as he sat relaxed in his wooden rocking chair, 
a cool pipe lying in his hand, he was exhausted but content after another day's work on their small but happy homestead. On a sunny summer Sunday, after the chores had been done and prayers had been said, Clara was told by her mother to go outside and play while the dough in the bread pans rose in the soft sun that filtered through the red gingham kitchen curtains. Come on, Goldilocks, her brothers and sisters shouted as they grabbed a large blue and white ball and ran out of their house. She untied her small apron, waved goodbye to her mother, and joined her siblings in their small fenced yard. Goldilocks? Yes, Goldilocks. You see, this is the name that her siblings called Clara because this young lass became known throughout her village for her shimmering braids. As the children ran and kicked and tossed the ball, Clara had an idea. How lovely a pitcher of flowers would look on my family's Sunday dinner table, she thought. So she would go out into the woods and find the prettiest orchids to bring home to her parents. She was a kind girl, just the sort to do such a thing. That is, when she wasn't helping out at home, milking the cows and the goats, knitting socks and sweaters for her brothers and sisters, and helping her mother to knead the dough for each day's meals. Inspired by the beauty of the day and the lightness in her heart, she tied up her well-worn leather shoes and set off, telling her siblings that she would be right back. She scooped up a basket from her front porch, walked through the hinged gate on the yard, and waved goodbye. Goldilocks, and we shall refer to Clara this way from here on in, because, well, that is what this tale is called, hummed happily as she skipped along. Through vast fields of wild flowers she traveled, stopping to listen to the songs of birds as she did, marveling at their colors, their tunes, and the perfection of this day. She mooed at cows as they grazed peacefully, and a few would raise their heads, seemingly nodding at her in a happy hello. Their greetings punctuated by a soft clanging of the bells around their necks. When Goldilocks spotted an entire field filled with sheep, she ran the long distance towards them. Oh my, there were lambs, too many to count, really, now a few months old, and they frolicked and played together in the late morning sun. Every half hour or so, she would put down her basket and stop to sit and rest her feet, her arms wrapped around her knees as she held them to her chest. Goldilocks would look up at the sky, where she saw fluffy lambs in the clouds, too, just like the ones in that field she had visited. Was that cloud a lion? And oh, look there, a winged horse in full flight. She sighed with contentment and once again went on her way, oblivious to the time she had spent away from home and just exactly where she was going. It didn't matter. She knew these hills, these meadows, she thought, and the forest couldn't be far off now. On and on she walked, until at last 
she could see a stand of tall pines in the distance. Goldilocks broke into a run and soon was in the cool shade of the majestic trees. And oh, blossoms everywhere. She stooped to pick seven bluebells, a few late-blooming white garlic flowers, some deep pink bell flowers, and a few bright yellow blossoms she couldn't quite name. On and on she walked, deeper and deeper into the forest, until she could barely see the sun. But there was so much else to look for. The three red deer who stood ahead of her and raised their heads in welcome as she passed by. She knew to watch for lynx and wolves, who also made the forest their home. But surely there was no danger. She meant them no harm and was certain they would feel the same towards her. Another half hour passed as Goldilocks wandered, taking no heed of how far she had walked or in what direction, except for a pang of hunger and a passing thought that she wished she had brought her father's canteen with her for a drink of water. She was as content as she could be. Her basket was full. Her mother would be delighted and it was as perfect a Sunday as she had ever known. All of a sudden, she could smell something. Not the musky greenness of a forest. It was a familiar scent that made her tummy rumble more than ever. How many hours has it been since breakfast, she wondered. How long had she walked? It occurred to her to make a wish that mother and father wouldn't be worried as her brothers and sister had told them, she would be back soon. And Goldilocks never, ever lied or caused them any concern. She began to become weary. The smell of that comforting food drew her deeper into the forest. Perhaps she could ask for a morsel of bread or a cup of water to keep her going on her way. Surely, whoever was making this lunch would have some left over that they could share. She followed her nose until she could lay her eyes upon the place from which the pleasing odor was emanating. It was a tiny house, here among the pines, a white cottage with a dark brown curvy thatched roof, and windows whose red shutters were wide open. Such a welcoming sight for this tired little traveler. Goldilocks opened the gate outside the cottage and walked on the flagstones that led up to a front door, painted red to match the shutters. She tapped on the door and waited. There was no answer. Again, she knocked, this time just a bit louder, and hoped that someone would welcome her in but there was still no response. Thinking perhaps she was being just a bit too gentle and spurred on by the hunger that grew inside her by the minute, Goldilocks curled her hand into a fist and gave two quick pounds on the door. This time, rather than be opened, the door swung open on its own. Ah, uh, hello, she said, not wishing to be rude or to intrude on the meal that the cottage's occupants were surely enjoying. There was no answer. She repeated her call and added, 
Is anyone home? I don't wish to bother you. Nothing. Goldilocks had to make a decision. She could wait on the porch in one of the three rocking chairs sitting idly nearby and hope that someone would come out or come by to see her. Or she could venture inside and maybe just borrow an apple or a cup of water. She chose the latter. She stepped into the small house, which was darkened by the shade of the tall trees that surrounded it. She carefully laid down her basket of flowers and looked around. There seemed to be no sign of anyone at all. She took in the room around her. There were paintings on the wall, not of mountains and trees or grandmothers and grandfathers, but of bears sitting and smiling as if posing for the artist. Curious, she thought. She noticed three chairs made of leather gathered in a semicircle around a small fireplace. There was a large one, big enough for her father and her to share, she thought. A slightly smaller one that had yarn and needles hanging over the arm, as though someone was in the midst of knitting a child's sweater. And then, a small chair, one that would fit her between the two larger ones. How sweet, she thought, as she took in the cozy display. Still, there was something very different about this home, although she couldn't quite put her finger on what that might be. Turning towards the kitchen, with its hanging copper pots and large wooden spoon in a porcelain sink, she noticed a table. Around this heavy wooden table were three chairs, each carved by hand with a heart cut out in the back, and over those hearts, on each chair, was a name, also carved out. Papa, Mama, and Baby. But it was what was on the table that interested Goldilocks the most, for in three bowls were servings of porridge. Her tummy grumbled so loudly at this discovery that she let out a shh as she tiptoed towards the food on display. Once again, Goldilocks had a decision to make. She had not been invited into this house, and surely it would be rude to partake in a meal laid out so recently. But she was so hungry. And where were the papa, mama, and baby, whose chairs were set at that table? She chose to take just a taste of the delicious oatmeal that had beckoned her through the woods. No one would notice if just a few spoonfuls were missing, would they? Sitting in the chair at the head of the table, the one marked Papa, she looked around one last time in hopes of asking permission. And able to wait no longer, she picked up the wooden spoon next to the large carved bowl. She dipped it into the porridge and popped it into her mouth. Oh, she exclaimed, fanning her open mouth, this porridge is too hot. Shifting over to one side of the table and the chair marked Mama, Goldilocks dipped that wooden spoon into the porridge and put it in her mouth. Ooh, she said, screwing up her face in disgust. This porridge 
is too cold. Finally, becoming exasperated but still, oh, so hungry, she got up and walked over to the chair opposite Mama's, the one marked Baby. This one fit her perfectly, and she picked up the smaller wooden spoon next to this smaller wooden bowl and scooped up some porridge. As she brought it to her lips, she quickly gobbled up what was on the spoon. Then, before she could stop herself, she dipped it again. Ah, she said, between quick mouthfuls of warm, creamy cereal, and added, this one is just right. Now you have to understand that normally, she was the kind of girl who would worry about what she had just done. But by this time, after her long, long walk through fields and forest this day, and with warm porridge sitting heavily and happily in her tummy, Goldilocks was suddenly overtaken by a powerful sleepiness. She yawned and stretched her arms wide. Perhaps she could just take a nap before heading out and making her way back home, she thought. Her feet and legs grew heavy as she pushed back the wooden chair and rose from the table and took another look around. She spotted a small open door near the chairs gathered by the hearth and decided to take a peek inside. Quietly heading through the room, she could see through the doorway, and although the room on the other side was very dark indeed, she could make out three beds. Upon closer inspection, she noticed that just like the chairs in the kitchen, they had been carved by hand and each had names above them, Papa, Mama, and Baby. She could no longer resist the fatigue that had overtaken her. As she did with the porridge at the table, Goldilocks tried the Papa bed first. Try as she might. She couldn't get comfortable. Straw poked out at her and pierced through her dress. And the pillow, well, it was like resting on a moss-covered rock. Oh, she lamented, this bed is too hard. Swinging her legs over the side of the mattress, she flung herself on the bed whose headboard was marked Mama and almost sank to the floor. Oh, she said struggling to even raise her head or arms from the deep, feathery mass. This bed is too soft. With not inconsiderable effort, she pulled herself and climbed out until her feet were once again on the floor. Then she laid down on the bed marked Baby, and as she snuggled under the comforter and rested her weary head on a small, soft pillow, she sighed with delight. Ah, this bed is just right. And almost before the words had escaped her lips, she was sound asleep. Her rest was so deep that she didn't even hear when the mama, papa, and baby came home. The trio had gone for a walk after mama had prepared their porridge to work up an appetite let their bowls cool, and to enjoy the sweetness of the day. For a bear appreciates the perfection of a summer day, just as we all do.
Had I not mentioned that Mama, Papa, and Baby were bears? Well, you knew that, didn't you? Even if Goldilocks had no idea, and she most surely did not. The three bears looked cautiously into their cottage, having noticed that the door was open. Had wolves come in and made themselves at home? No, surely a wolf wouldn't leave a basket of flowers on the floor. What possible good would a wolf have for flowers anyway? Had a family of lynx somehow opened the door and hidden somewhere? Surely not, for lynx were afraid of bears, and they were smart enough to not try anything so foolish. What had happened here? As Mama and Papa Bear slowly walked around the room, it was Baby Bear who noticed something very much awry at the table. Look, he cried, and his parents came running. Papa Bear saw the spoon laid carefully next to his bowl. The utensil still was full of oatmeal and said, somebody's been eating my porridge. Mama Bear could scarcely believe her ears, but saw with her own eyes that her spoon had also been used. Oh my, she exclaimed, somebody's been eating my porridge. To which Baby Bear responded, look, someone's been eating my porridge and, beginning to cry, they ate it all up. Papa Bear grew angry and Mama Bear hugged her wailing son and quieted him, as the grown-ups thought hard about what all of this meant. Shush, said Papa Bear, as he tiptoed to the bedroom door. For bears can be very light on their feet when they want to be, and in this instant, the three bears decided to be very quiet indeed. As it turns out, they needn't have been for their unexpected house guest was still fast asleep, snoring even. And so, she didn't hear when Papa Bear said, somebody's been sleeping in my bed. She slept right through Mama Bear exclaiming, somebody's been sleeping in my bed. But she definitely heard it when Baby Bear squealed, somebody's been sleeping in my bed, and she's still here. At this outburst, Goldilocks sat straight up and blinking hard, for she could not believe what she saw. She screamed at the sight of three angry bears. Pulling the covers up to her chin, trembling with fear, she said, Please don't hurt me. I mean you no harm. Papa Bear growled. What are you doing here? She responded in a tiny voice. I was hungry and tired, and I knocked, and I knocked. Papa Bear responded, You ate our porridge. You slept in our beds. Have you no manners? To which Goldilocks, who most definitely did have manners, very good ones, in fact, began to cry. I'm so very sorry. As the tears ran down Goldilocks' cheeks, and she struggled to catch her breath, Mama Bear's heart softened. Clearly the girl, who was barely bigger than her own baby, was frightened and sad 
She imagined how she would feel in Goldilocks' shoes, or how she'd want Goldilocks' mother to treat her own son if he had stumbled into some kind of trouble. Putting a massive paw on Papa Bear's arm, Mama Bear moved towards the girl, who cowered under the covers, with only her eyes and hair visible. Don't be afraid, said Mama Bear. We were worried that someone had broken in and wanted to hurt us. Tell us how you came to be here today. Goldilocks, drying her tears on her sleeve, took a few deep breaths and explained that she had been out gathering flowers for her mother, and she had wandered for so far and for so long that she lost track of time. She found their cottage when she was tired and hungry, and that she tasted that delicious porridge and couldn't stop herself. And then, because she was so weary, she wanted to lie down just for a bit. And she repeated what she had said earlier. She meant them no harm. As she spoke, Baby Bear sat on the side of her bed, his bed actually, and reached for one of the girl's braids. He pawed it gently and wondered at the brilliance of its color, even in the darkened room. And he asked her name. She said, I'm Clara, but everyone calls me Goldilocks. Oh, they said in unison. Well, said Papa Bear, we believe you when you say you meant us no ill will. Tell us, are you still hungry? No, she said, grateful that he no longer appeared to be angry with her. I just want to go home. And with that, she began to cry again. Please, please don't cry, said Mama Bear. We will lead you out of the forest and send you on your way. Are you in a village, the one with all the houses that have those pointy, windy things on them? Yes, they're called weather vanes. Ours is a rooster. Do you like them? Indeed, we do, said Mama Bear. How lovely it would be to have one on our cottage. But Papa Bear, handy as he is, doesn't work with metals and has no way to get one. Then I will tell you what, said Goldilocks. I will ask my father to make you one, and he will make it to look like a bear, so that all will know that this is your cottage and no one else's. That would be lovely, said Papa Bear. And may I leave you my flowers? She asked, as a show of gratitude for your kindness and for letting me eat and sleep here in your home? Oh, no, answered Mama Bear. Take those to your own Mama Bear and tell her that you have new friends in the forest, friends who will be here if ever you should need help. Now come, put on your shoes and gather your basket. We have to get you home. With that, Goldilocks and the three bears set out from the cottage and made their way back to where the girl had first entered the forest. They guided her towards her village and stopped a long way away, so as not to arouse any fear among the good people who lived there. Usually when they visited, you see, the bears came at night 
searching out the good smells that came from their homes. As they parted, Goldilocks repeated her promise to have her father make a weather vane that looked like a bear. She would leave it beside the large rock at the entrance to the forest, the one she had passed twice today during her great adventure. She smiled and waved with one hand, her basket in the other, and headed home. And true to her word, she left that weather vane by the rock, made in wonder by her father, who, along with his wife and their children, was grateful for the kind nature of the bears, who shared their food and their beds with their girl when she needed it most. Don't you love happy endings? <laughs> Me too. Now drift off. Sweet dreams. <laughs>